Having come this close to finishing, Gertrude did something for her second attempt that was very important. What she did was she asked a a photographer to take a picture of the other shore and to, so that she could have that picture in her mind of what the shore looked like on a clear and fogless day. And as she prepared to swim it again, each day she would focus on that picture and she would get in her mind's eye what the shore looked like. And don't you know when she tried it again the second time in August 6th of 1926, Gertrude completed her swim. She completed the task that uh, was quite phenomenal. Swimming is hard work and the swimming the English channel, channel, no small task. But she did it in part because she had the finish in mind at the start. This morning, that is what we are going to talk about as we talk about how we are encouraged in the series called Let Us. We're looking at the scriptures that encourage us to finish strong. You and I, in Christ, are on a journey. Perilous, dangerous, exhausting, physically, spiritually, emotionally. This is a journey that is hard. And the scriptures remind us again and again to stay at it, to not give up, to persevere toward the goal. And so that's what we're going to be thinking about and learning about from the Word of God. I hope you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, which will be our key scripture this morning, as we think about what the Word says and what God has in mind. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. As we think about these scriptures focusing on let us, the, the idea that this is a team sport, not an individual thing, that we are in this together, scripture calls us out. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the first thing that we are called to do is to remember the trailblazers to remember those who've done it already. Now, in the context of Hebrews chapter 12, we, of course, know we're finishing Hebrews chapter 11. That's kind of how that works, Hebrews 11, then Hebrews 12. And then you might think, for those of you scholars, that Hebrews chapter 13 comes next. So that, that's your deep Bible study for the day. Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about the, what we call the heroes of faith. And these are the, the, the lists of those who've gone on before us. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and many others. Those, those heroes of old, those who have uh, filled the VBS stories, those who have filled the mission trips, uh, th- those stories that we know well, the writer of Hebrews calls us back to remember their journey, to remember where they started, to remember what they did and why they did it. But in a, in a way that we don't know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, other than through the stories, we, we do know their story. I want to ask you, who was it in your life that blazed a trail for you? Who was it that led you to Christ, but then not just led you to Christ, showed you how to follow Christ? 
Maybe it was your mom and your dad. Maybe it was your your grandparents. Maybe it was a great aunt or uncle. Maybe it was someone at church who who you got to know. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a neighbor or a coworker. Who was it that blazed the trail for you? I, I've told you before, and you know, uh, my great aunt, my my grandmother were instrumental in blazing the trail for me of following Jesus. I learn by listening to them. I learn by watching their examples and following their examples. But, but that's not just me. Everyone has a trailblazer in their lives. We have lots of trailblazers at Northside, people that blazed the trail and, and cleared the path for us. People like Lewis and Ann Tandy for decades led this congregation Pete and Doris Titus uh, blazed the trail of faith. People like Bob Kingsley, uh, people who lived their faith and showed their faith. For just a moment, I want you to think of those who blazed the trail for you who've already gone on to victory. Different for each person, different for everyone here, But there's a reason the writer of Hebrews says, remember, we are not alone in this journey. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are people in our lives who spent the time, who sacrificed themselves, who gave of themselves, and who showed the way. I don't know if you've had the privilege to join us for Sunday Night Live. We do it at 8 o'clock on Zoom uh, and you're certainly welcome to join us. If you missed uh, this last Sunday, you missed a good one. Uh, because in that Sunday Night Live, uh, Marianne Harold had arranged for Clint and Donna Petty to join us from their home at Reflection Ridge. And they were, um, it was just inspiring because Clint and Donna blazed a lot of trails for Marianne and for others. And Clayton McCullough, one of our shepherds here at Northside, he and I usually kind of uh, co-host Sunday Night Live. And Clayton was telling me, or telling not just me, but all of us who are in Sunday Night Live, the way in which Clint impacted Clayton and Tammy. And moved them and encouraged them by their life and by their words. And, and to the point where Clayton no longer was content to sit in a pew began to get up and to take action in his spiritual walk. Now, don't you know that Clinton Donna Petty blazed a trail for Clayton and Tammy McCullough? And Clayton and Tammy McCullough blazed a trail for others. You see, that's how it works in the body of Christ. And when the writer of Hebrews is writing to encourage us, he says, I want you to remember who started the journey for you. Who was it that helped you begin the journey with Jesus, who was it that blazed the trail for you? A trailblazer is a guide. It's not someone who sits on top of the mountain and shouts down instructions about how perfectly they did it. No, a trailblazer is a guide, someone you follow, someone who walks beside you. Now, our, our youth group just finished up their teen week, which is a little bit different. Would you, could, I, could I get one of these or one of these? Was it a little bit different than it's been in the past? A little bit different, right? But it was good. It was good? Yeah. I hope you tell Jeff that. I hope you take a time to send him a text 
you know, or a message on Instagram or however you do it and show him some appreciation because he worked really, really hard in a very, very hard summer. And he did that for you. He blazed a trail for you. Many eons ago, there was another teen camp. And in that teen camp, we would take a hike that was big. And so they called it the big hike. Here's a picture of the big hike. Now, I'll point out that you probably can't recognize everyone in that picture. Some of them are much older than you. Many of them are wearing hoodies, and you have no idea who they are. But there's one young lady right in the middle. Now, Lauren, it, I, I think this is you as a 7th grader, 8th grader, somewhere in there. 7th, okay. Now, now, here's what's interesting. I don't know. I just happened to find this picture, but here is little Lauren. Now, the, the picture I was looking for was the picture of the big hike because the, this whole point about in the hike, we had guides, you know. You had people at the, in the front of the group and at the back of the group. And uh, one year, w- notwithstanding, the guides did a pretty good job of getting us where we need to go. But in, in that big hike, you were always following the guide. But this picture jumped out to me. If you go back to the slide, guys, it, it, the, the picture jumped out to me because it's a perfect picture of what's happened in Lauren's life. So I was asking Lauren before she left for, for uh, the, the, the trip that the teen just got back from, I was asking her, who was it as a girl's intern that made the most impact on you? Now, this was not planned. This is a Holy Spirit-led thing. I asked her, and her answer to me was... Becca Greenwood, and who's standing right next to Lauren in this picture? Becca, I think it's Becca Greenwood. It, uh, anyway, we'll pretend like it's Becca Greenwood, okay? It fits the, <laughs> fits the sermon really well. But Lauren, when she was in the group, was looking to Becca as an example of following Christ, of what it meant for a young lady to follow Jesus and what that looked like specifically as a summer intern. And now Lauren is doing that for some of our young ladies. Look at, she's got a whole little entourage of young ladies there sitting beside Lauren. They're looking to Lauren just like Lauren looked to Becca. Isn't that cool? This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Remember, you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. You are surrounded by those who are with you today. Wouldn't surprise me in a few years to see Sophie Tyson to be a girl's intern and for her to make an impact or Bailey Banning or or any of you to make an impact and say, I want to be the type of girl's intern that Lauren Dodson was to me. That is how the cloud of witnesses works. We have those who are with us today, sitting in the pew with us, encouraging us and walking along beside us. And we have those who've already gone on to victory. And the writer of Hebrews says, do not forget them. The Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul said, I'll show you the way if you'll follow my way as I look to the way. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm following his example. Now, you look at me and follow my example as, just only as I follow Jesus. If you think about this, I want to ask you, especially if you're watching online, 
If you're watching online this morning, I would love for you to type in the comments, who was it for you that blazed the trail? Who was your Lauren Donson? Who was your Becca Greenwood? Who was it that led you and, and, and blazed the trail for you, the path of Jesus Christ? See, the cool thing is that God puts all those kind of people in our lives. All right, now, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, we need to do something else. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. You see, the next thing we're called to do is to run light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and following Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When we are following Jesus, when we're running the race of faith, the first thing we need to do is is lighten up. To, To remove every single weight to let go of anything or anyone who weighs you down, who holds you back. Runners know that every ounce counts. In the the, the race of faith, uh, the Hebrew writer says, let us lay aside every weight. Now, if you're not a runner, that doesn't really resonate very much with you. So so let me share with you what I learned about running this week because my uh, expertise in running amounts to Google and, and, and researching about it. So here's what I found out. Runners can run in different situations and circumstances. They can trail run. They can run on a road. Uh, they can even run uh, specifically on hard trails and things like that. There are different types of shoes that runners prefer, depending on, on this, their foot, you know, whether it pronates or, or, or what, where their strike point is and all of that. And so runners really, they're avid runners, want to get the right shoes for running. But here's the key. In, in all their different vast array of options for shoes, the key is they want the right shoe that is as light as possible. The uh, first one is the, the, for trail running, one of the best ones is called the uh, New Balance Summit Unknown. Okay? It's supposed to be really good. It weighs 8.6 ounces. Then there's one I call kind of the diva shoe. It's, it's ultra cushioned, right? It's like running on a little, your own personal cloud. It's the New Balance Fresh Foam Beacon. It, it weighs 7.6 ounces, a whole ounce lighter than the summit unknown. Well, th- those are all fine and good, but, but if you really want to make good time, you want to get the Reebok Float Ride Run Fast Pro. So light that you can barely see it on the PowerPoint. That's how light it is. Almost literally floating off the page. You know how much the Float Ride weighs? Three and a half ounces. Whoa. I mean, with your old shoes, you're running like this. Just like in cement. You put those float rides on, you're just like gliding on air. And why is it that runners and runners' blogs and and YouTube channels obsess about the the difference and the, the better of this shoe versus that shoe? It all comes down to weight. I was thinking about this 
the, uh, the difference in some of these shoes, my shoes at home weigh 9.9 ounces, so you clearly see why I'm not a runner, right? My tennis shoes weigh 9.9 ounces. The difference between my tennis shoes and the float rides is a pack of batteries. Pack of batteries. They don't weigh hardly anything. But when you're running 26.2 miles, this kind of weight makes all the difference in the world. Because it holds you back. It slows you down. It makes it harder. It makes you want to give up quicker than you might otherwise. You see, by one estimate, a runner gets two seconds per mile faster for every one pound of weight they can lose. So they can, they can lose body weight, they can lighten up their shoes, they can wear ultralight shorts. The, the, the point is to get as light as possible. Because if I can take off 16 ounces or so, I might get almost a full minute faster on my marathon time. You see, runners understand that. They understand that every ounce counts. The point is, we want to run as light as possible. Now, let's step back into the spiritual world for a second. What's our attitude like in our run, in our race with Christ? You have things that are weighing you down? You've been watching that Netflix show, and you know... You're really glad the preacher can't see your Netflix account. It's probably not the best. It's probably got some bad language and some inappropriate things in it, and it's probably got some stuff that you shouldn't be watching. But you know what? Really, it's not that bad. And the writer of Hebrews would say, "Let let us lay aside every weight, every single weight. Because it's holding you back. You got that friend of yours that, uh, boy, they, they are just a gossip. They just gossip all the time. And you know the word says that we should stay away from those who gossip because they just stir up trouble. But you really, you've been good friends. You've been good friends forever. And you just don't know if they are really affecting you. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight. And sin which clings so closely. Because guys... We have a long race to run. And if you are in this to win this, you want to get as light as possible so that you can make it to the finish. I don't know if you, how many of you have ever been to the Boundary Waters up in northern Minnesota. Boundary Waters, is, uh, it's quite a trip. One of our shepherds, Doug Wagner, uh, loves the Boundary Waters. If he's not here locally, he's probably up north in Minnesota where no one can reach him. It's beautiful. Several Northsiders have gone with Doug up to the Boundary Waters, done the canoeing and and portaging and taking your packs. Now, now there's a couple schools of thought on how to pack for a trip to the Boundary Waters. Some people are of the, um, the school that says we should pack light because every single thing that we take in, we got to take out. And so from the moment we unloaded out of the car to loading it on our back to walking a half a mile to setting it down to loading it in the canoe to paddling to getting out of the canoe to pulling it out to hiking into the, the camp, 
Every single pound is going to hurt, so we should pack light. The uh, very first one I went, I think I went with Kevin Nash, and Kevin uh, talked about this way. We want to pack light. I had never been on this. This is my very first time. He said, just pack one pair of good boots and make sure they're as light as possible. And, and pack the minimal amount of clothes, that, you know, you, just maybe one or two pair, and, and you're going to swap them out. Just take the very essential, only the essentials and the very basic things. Why? Because everything you take in, you've got to take out, and you've got to drag it a long ways in. Like, you wouldn't want to bring a cell phone on a trip like that. This might go off. But then there's a different school of thought. And this is Doug Wagner's school of thought. And when we were packing to go on a trip with him, he came back from the store and, and he came, comes in with 10-pound sacks of potatoes and uh, drinks, full-on drinks, you know, flavored Kool-Aid and all of that. Because he wanted to eat well. <laughs> we went into the Boundary Waters. All right, two different schools of thought. The writer of Hebrews would say, you're going a long portage. You're going to paddle your canoe a long ways. So pack light. Keep your canoe light. Choose what to carry. And, and anything that weighs you down mentally, spiritually, emotionally, even relationally, you need to remove that from your life. And more importantly, you need to remove that from your heart. This is crucial so that we can run. Hebrews says, the writer of Hebrews continues, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Running with endurance simply means this, we run to finish. We run in such a way as to win. You see, our race is is long, and by the way, it's not going to be easy. There are plenty of preachers who will tell you if you follow Jesus, life gets much, much easier. And in some ways it does, but there is no promise in here that you will not endure suffering. In fact, it says, James says, the brother of Jesus, consider when you, whoops, consider when you endure such sufferings, consider that pure joy. You're going to get tired. There's going to come a time when you question why you started. There's going to come a time when you wonder if you should have put your cell phone on mute after being warned once. There's going to be times when you stumble. The writer of Hebrews says, let us run the race with endurance so that we may finish strong. Verse 2 has the answer on how to do that. By the way, back to Hebrews chapter 12, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The New International Version, the 1984 version says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter, the finisher of our faith. We've got to keep our focus on Him and not be distracted by things going off. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, 
He is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not that are on earth. If you think about this picture for just a minute, imagine running your race. Everybody's at the starting line. Sorry, you have to follow me here. Imagine everybody's at the starting line, okay? And they're ready. They're in this race. And they start, and they're going to run 26 miles. And there's one particular runner, and he's doing this very odd thing. And that is this. He keeps looking at the ground. He's running as hard and as fast as he can, but he's looking at the ground. Well, you say, that, that, that runner's going to lose. He's going to trip and fall and stumble. He, he's going he's to lose his way because he's not looking up. Because he's not looking toward the finish. No runner worth running, or no runner who wants to finish, who wants to win, keeps staring at the ground. But there are some of us who run our race in Christ, and we're staring at the ground. We're staring at the ground. We're looking at the news. We're looking on social media. We're getting all mad about masks. We're, you know, we're, we're getting all fired up about all these things. Oh, man, did you see what Governor Kelly did today? Oh, did you see what Trump did today? You know what you're doing? You're looking at the ground. And Paul says to the church of Colossae, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, not things that are below. You don't win a race staring at the ground. It's clearly futile to try to run and win a race unless you're looking toward the finish. So if you intend to finish, if you intend to run with endurance, look up. Look up. Look toward the finish so that you might finish. Stop staring at the ground. The runner must keep his head up and his eyes toward the finish. This is what the Apostle Paul was then able to write. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, you and I don't run to say that we started running. You and I don't run to say, well, it was a fun little jog. You and I don't run to give it the old college try. No, you and I ran. We started this race and we're running to finish. You're surrounded by the cloud of witnesses, those who've gone on before and those who are still here. People in your lives who are saying, finish, finish, don't give up, keep going and keep running toward the finish. In 2008, a young lady by the name of Heather Dornadon was the odds-on favorite to win the uh, 600-meter indoor track championship. She had trained hard. In previous races, her times were just exceptional. Everyone expected her to win this race. In 2008, something happened as Heather began running. Now, true to form, Heather ran strong straight out of the blocks as they they got ready. You know, she had been here before. This was nothing new. She had been on tracks like this. She knew what she needed to do. She knew what point she needed to move over in her lane. Her teammates were cheering her on, and she was just doing like everyone expected. She was running hard. She was running fast. Now, if you don't know which one Heather is, she's number one. 70. I'll see if I can highlight her here in a second. I think she's right here, right here in the middle. Okay? There's Heather. Okay? 
and she's running a good race. She's in second place at the end of the first lap, and she's got two more laps to go. Now, she's pacing herself. She knows she's got to finish strong. So she continues to run. She continues to press forward. She's aiming toward the finish. She's running a great race. Second lap is just looking phenomenal. She's right on the heels of the girl in front, and she's poised to move ahead. And you know what's going to happen, don't you? You know in this moment she is poised, and, and she is ready to finish this lap strong, and then this happens. Now, if you guys can just pause that video. See, for Heather, the unthinkable happened at that moment. She, she made a rookie mistake. She stumbled, she tripped, she fell, scraped her elbows, scraped her hands, and just in a flurry of all of a sudden, the, the next thing she knows is she sees three of the runners all way far ahead of her. Can I ask you just for a minute, if you've been here, if you've been running a good race and things are going pretty well, and all of a sudden a bolt from the blue, whether it was a doctor's appointment or a, or a, a bad news from your, your boss at work or, or a sin or a temptation got the best of you and you just fell hard. How many of you ever have stumbled or fallen in your, in your race? Yeah, if you're honest, we all have. Now, now I, I don't want to focus on the stumbling because that, that, that happens. But here's the thing. There's a moment when you have a decision. You have a decision when you stumble. You have a decision when you fall down. You have a decision when you're in that moment like Heather was, all fours planted on that track. Just go back to the video if you could just show for just a second. She had a moment right here where she had to decide. Did she still intend to did she still intend to win the race? Did she still intend to go even though it was impossible? Even though it was, it was, it was like all the odds were against her at this point. How do you come back from that far back but Heather did? She passed that girl. I mean, look at that. She, she didn't even know what happened. Okay? She's she's in third place. She's running past, she, she runs past a second place girl and she pushes with all her might and Heather Dornadin, after falling, wins the 600 meter interna- international indoor, indoor track championship. And look what she said. Look what she said about this moment when she fell. When she fell hard. You, you know what she said? She said, I didn't see it as an option. I mean, we, when you and I see that, we, we just go, whoa, it's over. Well, what she said was this, and I, I love this quote. This was what's going through her mind. I didn't tell myself it was over or I had lost. I just knew I had to keep running. That's what the writer of Hebrews would say. You stumble? Yeah. You fall? Oh, sure. We have all have. But the writer of Hebrews and Heather Dornerden would say the same thing. When you fall, don't give up. Get up and run to finish what Christ already finished for you. When you fall, when you are tempted to give up, don't give up. Get And remember all those who finished the race before us.
1 Corinthians 9.24 says this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Follow the trailblazers. Run as light as possible. And brothers, sisters, and guests that are here with us or watching online, run to finish the thing. Run toward the finish what Christ began in us. This morning, I I, want to ask you a question. One, have you stumbled in your race? Are you sitting there on the track and just, you just, you, you got gravel embedded in your knees and your elbows and you just think it's all over? I want to encourage you to get up. Our shepherds would encourage you to get up. And this morning we're going to stand and as we get up, I would like to encourage you to go to the back and find a shepherd and pray with him. And they will pray with you and for you to encourage you to keep running and to finish the race. My second question is, have you even started the race? Have you you professed faith in Christ? Have you put him on in baptism? Because the Bible says unless you do that, you haven't begun the race. If you need to begin the race, or if you began the race and you stumbled, and you need our shepherd's help, and they would be willing to pray with you privately, if need be, they'll bring it to the congregation. If we want to begin your race by immersing you into the waters for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, so you can begin the race with Jesus, we'd be happy and honored to do that with you this morning. This morning I give an invitation to all those present, if you have a need, Won't you, as we stand and sing this song, head to the back, meet with one of our shepherds, they'll be at each door, and they will assess what what needs to be done and help you in the best way possible. Whatever your need is, won't you head to the back as together we stand and sing.